Where is InsureTech headed next? This is where indie agents own the answer. Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest and someone who I would call uh, not only a mentor, but also a friend, which if you've been in the insurance industry for at least a couple years, you know that it's a, a big, small industry and you tend to make really great relationships. Um, and this is one that stood the test of time. Uh, listen, if you guys are wondering about uh, the valuation of your baby, your business, right? What, what is it worth as you wake up at 2 a.m. and you're staring at your ceiling fan? Um, this is the person to talk to. Um, she has, over the past few decades, um, uh, how, gosh, how do I even say this? Uh, Create, grinded it out. Grinded it out isn't even the right way to say it. Uh, just been an uh, amazing force in the industry in so many different areas, and um, you know, through that, gained a wealth of knowledge about how the insurance agency works, um, and and what makes it tick, and how to truly measure success, which I think is something that uh, success can be kind of a relative term. She makes it relatively black and white for you um, in a lot of ways. So if, if you're you know doubting or wondering or questioning and you want answers, um, Carrie Wallace, who is the founder of Agency Success, an analytics company focused on valuations and fractional CFO support, she's your gal. Carrie, how are you today? Sid, I could not be better. I am super excited I get to spend some time with you. I uh, I agree with you. This industry brings a lot of incredible people together, and you, my friend, are at the top of the list. So I, I consider myself very lucky to have had this industry introduce me to you. Uh, I've been here for about 15 years. For the people that don't know me, I've been in the industry for about 15 years, and I have been a student of the industry for a period of time. I was very fortunate to um, learn a lot about the industry, about independent insurance agents. When I came in 15 years ago at a state association, they had incredible leaders that have been my long-term friends forever and ever, amen. Uh, (laughs) But they had this vision of what an association's value proposition should be. And it really included we should leverage our data in order to help independent agents. We should do that, right? And we should also help them understand the value of their business in a pretty significant way because they built this incredible asset. They should understand what that is. So I studied independent agents, part of that association, and about two and a half years ago, went out on my own to consult with agents and do both of those things. And um, I could not be happier. I will tell you, when I first started in this industry and someone said insurance and data, doesn't that sound amazing? I thought, what in the world? And I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. It's fascinating. I meet the most incredible people and I learn about something new every single day. So Ah, that's me. And um, thank you for that intro. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I just want to take a moment to say 
pre-15 years ago, um, you also had a really successful journey in startup world. And I think that's important for people to know because you kind of have a lot of different um, areas of experience, you know, in in different types of businesses, which not everyone has. So could you tell me a little bit about that journey? Yeah, sure. It's so funny. I kind of view it as like my first career. I took a little break and then I had a second career. But my first career, I started in a technology startup um, in Northern Virginia. It was funded by a government contractor and it was a heads, hands-free, voice-activated, body-worn computer, which sounds hilarious because that's an iPhone today, but Mm -hmm. let's just be real. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was pretty innovative to allow people to work on things that they would need their hands free. Uh, Again, it was funded by a government contractor. So for them, the first use case was to fix tanks in the field, be able to pull up the schematics and be able to do that in a pretty quick way. It's, um, I was very fortunate to be employee number seven in that company, and we took that company public. And I honestly thought I was going to do that over and over again. So I was wow. fortunate enough to take a second company, uh, work on the second company with my CFO um, and do that while I was consulting. And um, then I chose to raise my girls. I actually chose to stay home for a period of time and then entered in the insurance industry when at the state level, the big I and PIA were looking to merge. So my M&A background with that startup was was attractive um, experience for me to help in that journey um, at that association level. And honestly, I thought it would be a project and I would leave. And what I what ended up happening is I fell in love with the agents and the opportunity to work with small business in a pretty significant way, which is hilarious because it's kind of full circle. I work in M&A all day, every day, um, and never, never would have thought that. Right. So it's been a, it's been a pretty cool journey for me. Yeah, man. And now you're starting your own or you have started your own company, which is just like full circle. That's awesome. So, okay, let's get into the, the M&A space. You mentioned before we hit record that the the tides have changed a little bit. A few years ago, um, in the M and A space, you know maybe money was cheaper and you could get away with not knowing your numbers. Now, the the the, the tables have turned and and you know money's a little more expensive and and you have to have a tighter grasp on things. Can you talk talk to me about like what you're seeing in the industry as you're working with agencies that are acquiring and why that is. Sure. I think that there's some things that haven't changed. Here's okay. here's some of the things that are absolutely constant. Number one, there are a lot of um, independent agency owners that are facing retirement and it's time for them to tra- to contemplate transitioning ownership of their agency. That has not changed. The average age of an independent agency owner is around 55, 56. Uh, you know, in the next five, seven years, uh, all baby boomers will be at retirement age and it's somewhere around 73% of all small businesses are owned by baby boomers. So the need to transition hasn't changed. Second thing that hasn't changed is the predictability of an independent insurance agency. That retention rate has not changed, which makes it very, very attractive 
investment. It's the reason private equity has come into our industry. It's the reason why they've stayed. It's the reason why multiples have doubled over the past, uh, whatever it is, 15 years. So that has not changed. What's changed is the cost of money and the due diligence that people are doing in order to decide which agencies to invest in and how much to invest in these agencies. So two years ago, you know, an average operating agency could command multiples that were okay because the profitability was there, money was cheap, and you'd be able to do that. Well, now we're in a hard market. Profitability could be there. There could be uncertainty with some carriers, but money is not cheap for all buyers. So it's limited some of the number of buyers. It's also limited some of the options that um, some agents can have. And if they've waited too long or they don't know their numbers, their options are a little different and their multiples might not be in the same range because it just doesn't cash flow the same way. Mm. So how, when when you're in these conversations, what, um, maybe paint a picture of what, what that's like for an agency wanting to sell. Um, are, are they coming in with uh, you know, do they have to come in with an iPad and real-time dashboards and be able to show to the, you know, 0. 0.002 degree uh, decimal point exactly what the revenue is, premium is, you know, what the sales pipeline looks like. What what are some of those numbers that, does it vary? I mean, is it different mm-hmm. um, depending on who's uh, doing the acquisition? What do those conversations look like? Yeah, so... I liken it to what we can all relate to. If you've ever bought a house, if you walk through that house and you see that things need to be repaired, Mm. you're never going to pay full price for that house, right? You're going to know I have to pull aside money in order to repair this or upgrade this or do certain things. An agency that can come in and know for sure exactly what they have in their book of business. They know what their retention rate is. It's a perfect example. The average agency struggles to know what their true retention rate is. Um, We could talk about the system challenges with that. We can talk about all kinds of things, but that is an area that many agencies struggle with. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know those things, it starts to discount your agency because there's uncertainty from that buyer. If you are dead on and you know your numbers backwards and forwards and you can prove the performance of your agency historically that makes you a much stronger candidate to the person buying you if you come in with financial statements that need a ton of adjustments it raises a red flag not all adjustments are the same but if we start adjusting everywhere you you gotta think twice about what's the predictability of the performance of this agency Mm -hmm. so the tighter you can have your financials prior to a transaction and the less number of adjustments, the higher the confidence is in the performance of that agency, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That's that's a pretty broad stroke. Yeah. But, you know, if you're adjusting, let's say, um, marketing dollars or technology dollars, I'm, I would raise a question can I expect this agency to still grow at the same rate if you're going to pull back dollars in those categories? Mm-hmm. If you're adjusting things like, you know, subscriptions to a, a 
country club, I'm not going to have the same reaction, (laughs) correct? But you know what I'm saying? So, and compensation is one of the big areas. If there has to be an adjustment made to compensation, that, that, that would raise a flag to say, what will that do to my retention, to the relationships with my customers and the transferability of that book? Mm-hmm. So you have to, if the tighter you are going in, the more confidence your buyer has and the higher price you'll command mm-hmm. without question. Okay. So in terms of um, the, the KPIs and the, the data points, we talked a little bit about, or, or you mentioned um, uh, more, um, I don't want to say operational, but high level, uh, you know, book of business. So what is my retention? What is my premium? What is my revenue? What is it split out by carriers? I think more and more what we're also seeing is this movement towards team performance data. So how is my sales team performing? How is my service team performing? How much data do I have on their performance? And what's the level of predictability that I'll have from a pipeline or, uh, you know, uh, experience standpoint on the on the service side, you know, Vertifor just recent. Well, I shouldn't say just recently. I gotta stop saying that. It's been over a year now. Acquired Agency <laughs> Zoom, um, right? And you know, Agency Zoom's been like the hot girl at prom. Everybody wants to, ha- you know, um, to 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 look at it and see, you know, what's going on. So, uh. I, CRMs are a bigger play now with Salesforce coming in. Like I just, is is that being calculated into this this discussion yet, or are we still just at the cusp of, well, yeah, th- this is we're seeing movement towards that, right? And there's agencies are beginning to adopt these pipeline tools, but we're not to the point where they're making it into the valuation conversations yet. So I have a couple answers to that. Absolutely, it's in the conversation only because you see it in the results. So okay. here's here's the reality. Um, when I value an agency, I ask for five years of financials, carrier reports, in, employee staff listing, and then I do an interview and say, what kind of technology do you use? Um, is your sales and service separated? What is the culture of the agency? Where does new business come from? Like, there's a lot of different questions that we ask, but mm-hmm. here's the reality. An agency that's using tools that allows them to be predictive in their decisions, you will see them growing faster, you will see them investing in areas differently, and you'll see their results and from a profitability standpoint look different than agents that aren't. And so it's kind of cool. We've been having this conversation about being data driven for what, 10 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I've been part of the conversation for about 10 years. What I love is when an agent comes and they're embracing these tools, one of two things happen. I can look at the top line growth rate investments in parts of their P and L and their operating profitability and almost predict how the agency is being run, which is pretty cool. I mean, sometimes you have to dig, like, listen, I always dig in further, but it's really interesting just by looking at a couple, you can start to predict, is this an agency that's investing in infrastructure or is this an agency that is not? And I lovingly call that, is this an acquirer or is this is an agency that's poised to be acquired, 
right? And it's it's super interesting, Sid. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, we're working to start redefining the benchmarks of what those agencies look like based on their oh, wow. performance and the investments that they're making. Oh, wow. Because we all use industry benchmarks, but yeah. the reality is I go to these masterminds with agents that are investing in infrastructure and their, their benchmarks for tech spend, marketing spend, um, mm-hmm. actually they're their human resources versus virtual assistance looks completely different than the industry benchmarks that are published mm-hmm. and their growth rate and their profitability rates look different as well. So it's pretty interesting to watch this trend happen. Um, and so, you know, my answer is it could be an investment and in it's driving performance, or it can be an investment that's not executed well, and it is hurting your profitability because you're not getting the results from it. It's not like you can just buy the treadmill and miraculously the weight falls off of you. You actually have to be using it and implementing it well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. How So on the benchmarking, that, that's an interesting um, topic because, so my brother just reached out to me. Well, it was two, three weeks ago, specifically about RPAs. Mm. And, and, and for those of you guys who don't know, uh, my dad owns an insurance agency and my brother is uh, finally, and if he's listening to this, Luke, good job, um, <laughs> really taking a hold of being um, you know, proactive in the agency and starting to form a vision for what he wants the business to be, which is awesome. But, That's exciting. That's yeah, super exciting. It, yeah. It, yes. And he's got a... Um, He's got a, a lens towards technology and, and better leveraging tech in the agency, which, you know, dad, forgive me for saying this. My dad thinks he's automated, but it's like the 1990s version of automation. And I have told him this many times, but <laughs> we still debate it. So my brother's really coming in with a fresh perspective to say, hey, that definition's changed. Here's what it looks like today. You know, here's this new tech. What's interesting is that as he's gone down this road, he's starting to question the model so my, you know, my dad still works off of a model where um, each, each account manager sort of owns a specific set of accounts from start to finish, each, each service process, right? So if renewals, uh, auto ID cards, policy changes, endorsements, cancellations, whatever it is, if the account manager is listed as the owner of that account, from the start of that process to the end of that process, they are responsible for it. Right hmm. now, they're starting to question with VAs, with RPA. Well, can we offload some of the monotonous tasks to uh, to a cheaper, uh, you know, source? Right, and, and and you know, I think about Seth Zaremba's agency, um, Zinc. Right, he he changed this model a few years ago, where he's got front-facing yep. people and then sort of the back of the house on service. How, with different models and people implementing technology differently, I mean, how do you benchmark things? Because I've heard of stories where you'll walk into an agency and, and you know, a carrier will think, well, there's got to be at least 10 to 12 people, people here and they're working off six to eight, you know, people. And it's because the processes are so efficient. They've dialed things in with tech. How... Yeah. How do you benchmark? I think they're just being redefined. I mean, some of the metrics are the same, but, you know, revenue per employee does not look the same anymore. And honestly, the expectations should not be the same anymore. Someone who's embracing 
RPA technology, virtual assistants, um, actually just rethinking their processes. Someone who has a CRM that's allowing their service people to focus where the focus needs to be rather than doing the same thing across the entire book are going to be growing faster. They're going to be more profitable because they are um, they're using data to put their attention where it needs to be. And they're also thinking about the work and how to accomplish that work in order to create capacity for those valuable, mm-hmm. highly skilled, highly trained um, technical people to focus their their time in the right area. You know, one, one study suggests that an agency has 60% administrative work in, included in the process, like it's embedded in every single process. I don't know what that is, but even if it's 40%, we're facing one of the most challenging hiring situations um, Mm. in history, right? Mm -hmm. And it's evolved, it's changed and morphed and whatever, but keeping and finding great talent has been a challenge. Mm -hmm. Agencies that are focusing on removing some of the tasks that may not be as challenging and as rewarding by using RPA to download your your morning re, uh, reports and put them in your agency management system and reconciling them so someone like you or I can come in and just look at the ones that need our attention and our problem solving skills to deal with rather than doing all that reconciliation are going to attract different talent they're going to keep certain talent they're going to create capacity they're going to operate far more profitably and their service is going to look a little different because they have the time to spend with their customers to do what they need to do. It's just kind of interesting. So I think the metrics are still going to be there. They're just going to look completely different in agencies that are embracing this. And the reality is it's an evolution. This is not an overnight thing. I mean, you know, Seth is a perfect example. He's been talking about this for easy 10 years. I mean, I, I sat in a whiteboard with colored markers and all kinds of fun with that guy. And I, I, you know, I'd do it tomorrow. But the conversation is funny that people have adopted his language. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the cost per transaction. Mm-hmm. You know, the average agency doesn't know the cost per customer by type of customer in their agency. And he's talking about the cost per transaction, meaning every single task that you do, what is that cost and where should that live? It's moving the conversation and it's moving and it creating this divide again, where those that are doing it are, are giving themselves um, a leg up on those that are not, mm-hmm. they just are, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I do. I do feel like we're in a moment where, you know, in terms of, I think about benchmarking and trying to templatize some of those baselines, um, it, it feels extraordinarily hard right now because mm-hmm. there is so much movement. And I say that knowing that I haven't been in the industry as long as, you know, you have or Seth has. And so maybe I'm wrong about that because I don't have the additional, you know, few years of context to say, well, no, it's, it's kind of been in a mosh pit for the last 50, you know, 10 to 15 years. So <laughs> we're, you know, we're still headbanging. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, but it does kind of feel like right now from my perspective as somebody who hasn't been in the, in the industry, you know, um, quite as long that it, 
it, there, there's just so much variation um, happening. So I hope that we get to some sort of way. There's a stabilization that happens where enough people have adopted um, some of these newer models and there's less people, you know, maybe pulling the industry back um, or just not moving forward fast enough. I, I, I yeah. hope that's true. I think what's going to happen is you're going to be hard pressed not to. I mean, mm -hmm. technology is moving at a super fast rate. You know, chat GPT was things everyone's talking about. Well, what about the 50 other options that are replacing chat GPT at this exact moment? Mm -hmm. And and here's the thing. And let's not talk about insurance for a minute. But let's just talk about in general how our society is, is operating. Mm -hmm. If I have something wrong with me and I think that I might be sick, I Google it and go and look on WebMD and have more knowledge and more information that I could possibly think of, right? Well, you don't think that as a business owner, I didn't Google what insurance I needed when I started my business and what are the things I should be thinking about and what. So I can type anything in and get information, whether it's right or wrong. Just like WebMD, whether it's right or wrong, it's still out there. Mm -hmm. And we need to adapt to the to the reality that that's what our society does. Mm -hmm. I do it. Imagine what my daughter does. Mm -hmm. Like she looks at every Google review. She I mean, she she does research big time. If you're not evolving and in recognizing your consumers are doing that, your staff is doing that. There are, there are agencies that are embracing and training their staff using these tools to know what information is out there. How do I learn about different industries that we're insuring? I mean, it's, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, if you put your head in your sand and mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to do this, it really just creates this crazy divide and it's going to be hard to ignore. Mm -hmm. Let's just, you know, talk about VAs. Three years ago, no one was talking about VAs, or at least they yeah. weren't in my world, right? I, they didn't show up on the financial statements that I was looking at. Now they show up, and the ones that are really progressive are going direct with their VAs. They're not even they're not even paying the fee to yep. the VA companies anymore. It's like, so again, this divide's going to happen. If you wait too long, you're going to miss the boat and not be able to jump and bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with the CRM, like. Catalyst did a study recently, and it was like less than 13% of agencies have a CRM that they're utilizing in their agency. Yeah. If you're not managing your sales process, it's really tough to know um, what those predictive indicators are, whether or not that producer is going to validate, and you're going to spend time, money, and resources that another agency would be able to see by activities, by conversion rates, by all these things. And again, it's going to, it's going to be harder to compete with those that have it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. It's, yep. So I just think it's a divide. Yeah. You've got to embrace and know where your customers are, where your staff wants to be and where others are and, and position yourself. Well, another topic you brought up that I think Trent, that, that I think, um, flows really nicely from this conversation of creating that agencies that aren't jumping on top of things quick enough and there's going to be a divide created. Um, and, and somebody, uh, my goodness, somebody I was interviewing yesterday, this is how my memory works. If it was yesterday, it's too long ago. I can't remember who it is. <laughs> um, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think. Um, no, nope, it's, it's left me. He said, though, you have to 
pay attention to, oh, Zach Sutherland from Canada, uh, amazing guy, like Jeff Roy 2.0. I mean, oh, really? Man, what this man has done, you would love him. What this man has done with um, the analytics side, so he has centralized the data from his BMS, they don't call it an AMS in Canada, BMS, and his uh, Salesforce CRM and a couple of his other supportive product productivity tools. He's centralized all of them in Power BI, and huh. now he's got real-time dashboards around operational metrics that, I mean, are pretty darn accurate. So we talked a lot about his, his journey to get there, right? This took him a year or so to get from, okay, I'm not reporting really on much, and it's, you know, maybe I get an Excel spreadsheet that's dead as soon as I put it on the table um, to this state where he's now leveraging them in carrier negotiations and all different kinds of things. Um, he used the phrase when, you know, the, the, the first step that I would recommend taking is to be able to read your data. And so that you know, uh, you know, what, what fields mean and because it really is a language, um, that you have to understand and, and then step two is starting to cleanse it to make sure that you, you know, it, that you don't want, if garbage is going in, garbage is going to come out at the end of the day, right? So how do we fix our processes and create more of a data culture so that people are, you know, more keen on putting the right information in, things are integrated properly, et cetera. How, I mean, it feels like the data cleanse conversation is becoming, I'm starting to see it pop up on LinkedIn more. I'm seeing agents post about it. I saw Andy Matheson from Glovebox post about it the other day. I saw that, yeah. Um, and it, it seems like this is becoming kind of a hot topic. Those that pay attention, you know, are going to have quite a leg up here. What what's your recommendation or suggestion to agencies in terms of like how to tackle this? Because I can see how it would feel overwhelming to look at a database and say, like, where do I start? How do I even know what's not accurate? You know, yeah. how does this work? So, I mean, the biggest way I would look at it is how would a how would a buyer look at your book? Like what would they be looking for and what would create doubt and start there? So, I mean, that's because where I am and the role that I play in the industry. To be honest with you, Sid, I think for anyone, the data you pay attention to should be something that drives action. So I would start with what questions am I trying to answer as a business owner? And then do I have the information in order to answer that question? And I would limit myself like what are the five questions do i need to hire someone am i staffed appropriate for service um how do i get to this growth rate like whatever those things are do i have the data that's going to allow me to answer a question and start there because the reality is in insurance we have an overload of data like we've got uh filing cabinets full, electronic filing cabinets full. And some things are just junk. They just are. But I would start with what am I trying to answer? What would I need to answer that data? And what does it take to get that information to drive that decision, rather than just trying to have every metric under the sun? Mm -hmm. 
The second is look at your business like you're selling it tomorrow and what would create doubts and how do you clean that up? So for instance, um, part of the process of valuing a business is we look at a book of business report. I get your carrier reports, I take a book of business report, and oftentimes I have agents that will send me a book of business report that I look at by carrier, line of business, producer, um, length of time with the agency, size of the agency. I'm looking for areas of concentration that could be risky. And they'll say, oh, all of those accounts, yeah, that person left the agency three years ago. We just know that that's so-and-so's accounts or there's nobody attached to it. My number one question is, how are you processing commissions? Like, how, what, what does that look like? That has to be manual in your agency because it's certainly not being done through the system if you don't have the right people attached to accounts, right? Like, look at some easy stuff that would not, because if I bought your agency, I'd wanna know what's the area of risk if any one of your key employees leave, what does that look like? Well, if I can't get to that, it's a complete unknown, I just discounted your agency, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. think about it like you're selling it tomorrow and how do you shore up the information that can show you where you wanna focus in advance to maybe mitigate some risk inside your agency, right? There could be key accounts that we need to introduce a lot more people in and make sure that if so-and-so retires, that's not dependent on just that person. It may actually have a relationship with four people inside your agency. But how would you know where to start if you don't have that information? So what question and what are the risks that a potential buyer would be looking at whether it's internal or external, and do you have that information to take action upon is what I would tell you. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. What what role does the software play, the system play in, in this mix, right? I mean, and not just from a data cleansing perspective, um, but also from a reporting, you know, metrics perspective, like what, as you've, you've probably seen the gamut of agency management systems and different tech stacks and sure people using them not using them paying for them and you know not not implementing them uh things not being integrated and so there's data islands i mean you've probably run across all of it like what what are some of those challenges or issues and how do you help agencies resolve those so i think some of the core technologies that have been in our industry forever and ever were not meant to be predictive they were meant to be um, basically an electronic filing cabinet for policies Mm -hmm. we are now requiring them to do more and they can do it two ways they can integrate with others they can innovate themselves they can um, we can start again like people have tried to create a new ams that does it all like I think it plays a huge role. I think there are challenges. We have legacy systems that the integration is difficult. Then we have technologies uh, being bought by each other. So now the integration that once was there is no longer there. So we've made investments as an agency owner, super expensive investments that now no longer are valid based on the infrastructure we have. So it's it's a ever evolving, changing place And in many cases, it's viewed as a pretty big frustration as the person trying to decide where to place my bets because it's moving and shifting so quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there's the the reality of, I love that that 
organizations like Vertifor are making investments in order to do certain things. But if you've used that system for years and years, the reality inside an agency is the person who's hiring you is training you on what that system can do. And they're not necessarily going back and finding out what it does today. Mm-hmm. So the the utilization gets smaller and smaller and smaller as you internally train on a system rather than use, using yeah. what the system actually is. And so the re- then it's like this vicious circle. We go outside to find what we need when actually it could be in the system you've got. You just don't know it does it. Yeah. So there's this really big gap of knowledge of technology in our industry. And I would love to tell everybody, stop buying stuff. Just figure out what you have and utilize it to the fullest extent of what it does. Because, you know, there's a lot of innovation happening inside the systems you already have that you're probably not utilizing. I mean, that's a scratch the surface. It, here's the here's the biggest frustration from my perspective on systems. Agents speak in premium and we need to talk in revenue. And if the system doesn't allow them to see revenue or doesn't require the revenue piece to be in the system, it's a huge disservice to agents acting like like business owners rather than acting like a producer. The system needs to help with that. I would love every system today to require revenue fields be in, input because it's really difficult to get to that. And, you know, then they depend on a carrier report that, listen, if that carrier makes a mistake, I hope you're good because it's not in your system. That 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 is a gap in the industry. And there's several there's several systems that have heard me beat that drum a little bit to the point where I'm like, I would love to help, like, design so it it actually requires it so we actually speak in revenue all the time you know anyway yep no and there are you asked (laughs) i am glad that i asked because i i agree well now it's recorded and it's on the vertifor podcast and you know our product teams listen to this so heard (laughs) please 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 that and retention like let allow for the rewrites to be handled appropriately so we can see what's new what's what is lost and what has been retained. If we could get super clear on that as an industry, that would be fantastic. Yeah, agreed. And I think there are other little things, like for example, carrier hierarchy, right? And and, and this is, um, I mean, people should know what this is, but it's essentially when you list, it's your, your foundational list of all the insurance carriers in the system. Uh, just because of the way certain systems were built, uh, it's not a pick list, which means you've got a lot of variation variations and diversity. Mm-hmm. You could spell travelers a million different ways and have a million different travelers. Um, and as much as you know, we love travelers, we don't need a million versions of them in our system. Uh, That's right. And so, you know, and it, from a reporting standpoint, it confuses things a lot. So I think there are a little, there are a few nuances that from a systems perspective, uh, you know, could be easier, I would say, um, coming 100%. in. 100%. So, heard on that front. Um, okay, so so just last question here. For an agency who is curious about getting in touch with you, uh, they've listened to the podcast and they're like, man, Carrie Wallace is the bomb.com, um, which I guarantee everybody is. How do they reach out? And, um, and, and specifically, do you only help agencies who are looking to 
uh, acquire or are going through an acquisition process? Or do you help agencies that are just looking to get clear on what's going on in their business? Yeah, so that's a great question. First of all, to reach me, it's um, I have a website. It's agency-focus.com. Um, you can email me, Carrie, spelled C-A-R-E-Y, at agency-focus.com. I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, you can find me anywhere, basically. I, I'm So what I do, my business started with valuing agencies. That's how it started. But it's evolved into, but what do I do with it next? Like, what do I do to grow my business? What do I do to invest in the right places in my business? So about 50% of my work is fractional CFO work. Basically, I'm part of your team that looks at your business from a financial standpoint and helps you make sound financial decisions for your agency. Um, and that could be for a startup looking to build the chart of accounts that makes sense to set up your financial statements and to know what to track all the way to, I want to acquire five agencies this year and I want you to help me assess whether or not they are a good fit for my agency. So I look at, you know, there's no training when you become an agency owner on what do I do financially? How do I read a financial statement? What are the business decisions that I should make? I like to think that I help agents bridge that gap and really um, take some pressure off in being able to look at their information and make sound decisions. Yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, it's good to have you uh, on the Road to Four podcast and just see you again, hear how agency focus is going, pick your brain a little bit on the industry and what you're seeing out there. Um, I wish you the best of luck. And guys, for those of you who have listened, agencyfocus.com agencyfocus.com. Check it out. Just browse a little bit. Um, again, there's a divide being created here between those who are paying close attention to what's going on in their business and what's making it tick or what's not making it tick. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to take a look and see uh, who the experts are and how they can help you get a better grasp on your agency and your business. With that, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you go to youtube.com, check out Channel Orange, hit that subscribe button because we know you want to. And of course, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Mm -hmm.